Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 890. Nope. Nope. Not 890. 490. What? What? I don't know why you think we're in the 800s all of a sudden, because this is the second time you've done it. <laughs> yeah, that's... But 490, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. By, by Dale Reckoning, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess... Uh, this is me coming from the future to come back <laughs> <laughs> to tell you that 890 is pretty awesome, but uh, we should really do the intro for 490. Yes, yes, yes. 490 is where we're at now. And what we have is a doozy. Uh, we had some good reviews this week. Yeah, I think so. And even though we were talking about not having a lot of news, uh, we got to quite a bit of what's going on in the world. It seemed like a really, like, I feel like a lot of times our ratio is a little bit of comic books and a lot of news. And this one was maybe more comic book review heavy and a little lighter on the news, which I kind of liked. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I liked it too. Maybe we should start doing that a little bit I more. know. Maybe we should go back to the actual, you know, original. <laughs> and you know what? By, by episode 890, we do. <laughs> So until we get there, grab a cold one and enjoy Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 490, That Face. I love it when our titles are inside jokes that no one will ever understand. fun for the the weekend of Easter? No, I don't celebrate Easter. I know, but does it give you not an excuse to make some good food with no. family or No. Okay. I'm not one of those people who celebrate high holy days. Well, I mean it's not... Who's not a high holy person. Understandable, but I mean personally for me, if it's a holiday, I no, I go to my grandma's house and yeah. have good food, and that's what I look forward to Sure, because your grandma's probably religious. Yeah, my family is, yes. Yeah. But not only that, they just like to make food for sure. any excuse. Yeah. I guess my point is, like, I don't need an excuse to have my family on over for dinner. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So I'm not going to use an Easter holiday that I don't... I mean, I'll eat Easter candy. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> that shit is delicious. Um, but I am a big proponent of anti-hypocrisy, and I feel like I would be a hypocrite if I'm like, I don't believe in this, but I'm also going to celebrate it. You know mm. what I mean? So it's just a little thing that I kind of try to hold to. I mean, you know, when my kid was little, we celebrated like secular Easter because you can't be the only kid in school that doesn't get an Easter basket yeah. or do the egg things and stuff like that, but... Now so that was, he's older. It was cute. My uh, five-year-old nephew uh, wanted him to sit next to me just because I enjoy him the most. But no, peace. <laughs> they're he... going to listen to this when they're older <laughs> and be like, what the fuck, Uncle Tony? <laughs> I love Milo and Evie just as much, but Felix is just the funniest right now. <laughs> and so he didn't sit next to me. He sat across from me, and I later found out why while eating... Because the candy dish was right there. Ah, yes. Had, like they had, you know, my grandma had like flowers in the middle, so I didn't see that. And so he would every other bite take some, eat some ham and then handful of candy. Nice. And of course, he's not sitting at the table with his parents either, so all of us don't really give a shit. And right. Is he, are you sitting at the kids' table? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Tony's still at the kids' table. It wasn't designated that. It just was happened to be where I was at that the other kids came That's, and sat down with. Gotcha. But they're also smart to know not to sit by their parents because... Right. Fair. Yeah. Because <laughs> then they can eat handfuls of candy yeah. yep. every other bite. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I eventually was an adult and kind of tell him, okay, stop. Like, I, Well, he's going to make himself sick more than anything, right? He already showed up, Piper, and I was like, Jesus, man. <laughs> But anyways, uh, let's get into some book reviews. Right on. All right, I'm going to start off with a book called A Town Called Terror, okay. number one. And this is from, out from Image Comics, and the cover is just 
really surreal. It's, uh, I don't know how to... It's like a 70s horror movie VHS cover. Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's no better way to describe it. Especially when you got that, like, ominous, like, those eyes in the sky, sort of ominous demon, like, in the air background. That is 100% like an old trope from 70s horror movies. And just the, the font of how, you know, the lettering is for it. Just really sweet as mm-hmm. well. Yep. Um, I could go on about this front cover for a while, but this story, written by Steve Niles and uh, Simon Kudransky, really, first off, I'm going to say it. the plot felt a little lacking. I don't truly know what this Town of Terror is from this first issue, but it left enough things intriguing for me that I'm going to continue reading it because I don't know what's going on, but the art I thought was just beautiful. It starts off with someone going down like some corridor. It seems like it's a secret military base or something. And it really felt like it was opening credits to some horror movie Mm -hmm. image comic presents and then splash page. And it seems like it's a, you know, bunch of uh, body parts and everything. And looks like there's some like, I don't know, haze of, like, some distorted disease or something. So, again, you're getting those vibes of horror. And this person then puts together, uh, from the part body parts in here, a person who then is, like, asking, you know, how was my funeral and everything. So, this, obviously, there are living dead people in this town. Sure. And then it goes to a whole nother place so this is the town of terror i guess so the way it's laid out is like because i can see like it it had the cover page and then it had a title page but as you're going through it like you can see there's there's the artist there's the writers names it's almost like you know how when you watch a movie and there's like a scene happening but you're getting the opening credits on top of it that's that is exactly what it, it looks like yeah and i totally loved how it was set up and then the rest of it has to do with uh, this man and wife uh, getting it on, and then some people break nice. in and shoot her with a tranquilizer, so she gets knocked out. And they are in a house that has, you know, gargoyles and you know depictions of gothic uh, type imagery. But then the man gets kidnapped, and these people break in. But the rest of this book really is her trying to figure out where her husband went. So she gets tranked and left. Yes, and she... And he gets kidnapped. Yep, and he's like, you know, you know, what does the asshole want to see me for? So obviously uh, he's got something. Okay. He kind of knows something's right. going on, and they, they show a helicopter, like, flying around to different cities, like, whether they're picking up people or they're going to this town of terror or wherever it's hidden. But then the rest of the story is really her... Calling the cops, trying to figure out what's, uh, you know, what's going on. Why her husband got kidnapped? But mm-hmm. finally, when she gets a detective to come check it out, the video footage that she has, it's all staticky. You couldn't tell that there was a break in. Uh, of course, supernaturally. So they, yep. So they cleaned up, and that's that's about it for this uh, beginning. Nice. Book. Um, I again thought that every the art in here and everything was really well done. Um, she had to wait, uh, 24 hours, so she called the cops at first, then waiting again, so just the shots of the clock ticking down. Can we talk about that for a second? So, I get that you have to wait 24 hours for a missing person. That makes sense, right? But, like, if you are tranquilized, and your house is broken into, and also your husband is missing, don't, wouldn't you think that that would call for, like, a sooner reaction than 24 hours? And I love that, because that's what she fucking said. She goes... (laughs) They just kidnapped my husband. Right. Like, I saw that. Like, I, I don't have there. to wait 24 hours. Right. It's so... Why? But they hung up on her. And so oh, my she gosh. Went, I would be so pissed off. <laughs> but then but then a detective comes, and he seems kind of, like, to not care as much, or he's like, I'm going to file the report. Like, so whether there is some cover-up, some... It does make it sound like the police are involved, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, again, these things are all great within this story. I just kind of want to have a little bit more of those plot details of what this is going to be about, but I thought it was really well done. It sounds like the the opening 
rise of a again a horror movie because that is kind of its best comparison and but if you were watching a movie it would continue on for the whole movie yep. so you would get you wouldn't you wouldn't pause after the first 15 minutes and then wait for the next 15 minutes yeah. for a month so it might you know it it, it it might not be the best format to to read like a horror movie but you know, I'm sure in the long run it'll pay off. Um, do you want to talk about crossover? Yeah, so I... So, okay. Because we've both been reading crossover, and I've reviewed it a couple times. And I, I just kind of want to talk about it, because I feel like... I don't know. I don't know how it's doing sales-wise. But I feel like maybe people aren't picking it up, and they should. Right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's such a good book. And... If people started reading it with one idea of what it was supposed to be in their heads and got a couple issues in and stopped, then they really should have not stopped. And so I'm on issue 12, which I think came out in March. So the new issue should be coming out soon. But I just finished 12 last night. I got caught up. And, I, I, like, I don't, I don't even know how to explain, like, the newness that this book feels like. It's all of the old tropes of superhero shit, but it's not. It's something completely new. And um, so in the you've read up to 11. Yep. So in the issue 11 at the end, Negan shows up. And that's when you find out that's who's been killing all of the writers is Negan. And I do love, I, I don't know if, if Robert Kirkman would have known this back in the day because... He had said before when Walking Dead came to a close, you know, that the, later on afterwards he did have a one shot with Negan mm -hmm. come out and kind of tied up a little bit more of, of those. Or it was a, I think it was a prequel of, of him when he was a gym teacher and everything. Right, when his wife died and yes. all that stuff. And, and when you find out about Lucille and everything. And I'm trying to think time-wise if that was honestly after the fact or around there. But as he's always said... You know, we're not going to do anything else with Negan. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I feel like he said a maybe at one point because then this would be that maybe right. not in the realm that we would right. think of. And that's where seeing issue 11, yeah. I was like, that can't be. But that is. Yes. Holy shit. And, and, and so in issue 12, so Robert Kirkman writes pages 1 through 10 of issue 12. And it is, it is. Negan confronting Robert Kirkman at his <laughs> his palatial estate. I think this part obviously is sarcastic because it's talking about how Robert Kirk obviously Robert Kirkman has made a lot of money off of his comics, probably more than other people have because he has worked for himself for a really long time and has all of these other things going on with I mean The Walking Dead has been a successful television show for I don't know, fucking 10 years now, mm -hmm. maybe more. You know, he's got Invincible, the animated show that coming out and, or had it come out and that was really successful. So he's got shit going on outside of like actual comic books, but it was really funny because it is kind of like, he's got a, a statue to himself outside of his, with like zombies at his feet and like the inside of it. Negan walks into it and he's like, does a fucking teenager live here? Because it looks like what I can only imagine your house would look like if, <laughs> if you had the sort of money that Robert Kirkman has. And it's this confrontation between Negan and Robert Kirkman where Negan's like, fuck you. You're the one who made me the bad guy. Like, I, like why would you do that to me? And, yeah. and Robert Kirkman's like, hey man, like, I didn't know you were real. Like I needed money. I and Walking Dead needed a bad guy. I don't. I, I, that's all it was. It was just money. And there's like this whole back and forth between them. And but you know what that actually is is Robert Kirkman going back and forth with himself. He wrote Negan. He's writing Negan's lines here and his own lines. So he's legitimately like going back and forth on like. Why did I do this? Why did I do that? Why did I make Negan the way I did? Why did I have him? Because at one point, Negan's like, fuck you, you made me kill Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it's just this really interesting, crazy back and forth that they have. And it's it's very wordy. Like, 
usually I get to pages like this and I'm like, oh my God, I have to read so much. <laughs> um, but it, it was a good back and forth that he wrote. And he, and spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Robert Kirkman thinks maybe he's talked to Negan because he's like trying to tell him like, I know you, I wrote you, I know you're not really like this. You're not going to just kill me. Like, you're more than that, that sort of thing. And Negan's like, um, yeah, you're right. You did write me, and I'm not like that. And then he kills him, and he goes, you're not writing for me anymore, or something like that, or I'm writing my own story. And then he's just, at the end, like, both of the eyes, oh, he, <laughs> he hits him with his bat, and he goes, holy fuck, both fucking eyes popped out. Right? Because in Walking Dead, when he hits Glenn, one of the yep. eyes pop out. And I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. That's what this story, just the meta of these people talking to it's their creators. Um, again, when when Donnie said at first like how he had the story in his head, I'm wondering if there honestly was a shift from what he originally wanted to do right. into now of like, wait, we could have some more fun with this if I totally throw the script mm-hmm. away. And if we're going to start seeing more of this, we already saw the Chip Zdarsky uh, single episode right. that had his created persona, you know, yeah. from one. And I thought that was kind of a, just a cool one if, and then they name drop some of these people. When Negan showed up at the end of the last one, I wasn't even thinking of him going off on right. Robert Kirkman, but now it's making me think of some other people yeah. coming to their creators and saying, what the hell, man? It's, it's crazy. So after that's done, it switches back to Donnie in the jail and he, he's talking to one of the cop guys and like, you know, Donnie's basically like, um, I'm not in charge of this story anymore. And, and it real interesting back and forth with him, but then it shows him showing up later and he's cut his hair and he's like, yeah, that Alan Moore thing was confusing people (laughs) the long hair. And he, and he says to... Ellie, ellipses, or, or whatever her name is in this. Um, because honestly, I don't even care. <laughs> you don't care about the main, care characters, about the main anymore? characters anymore? It's all about the writers now, which is interesting. Um, but he says, seriously, we gotta go. This arc is insanely off the rails, and we have to integrate we have to integrate the A and B plots before this all falls apart. So, he, like, in this book, he's like, yeah, this isn't the story I set out to write. Things are off the rails, but maybe that is the story he set out to write to make it go out. I don't know. He's a genius. <laughs> and he talks about being like a ego-driven maniac <laughs> in this, but I'm kind of like, yeah, but like if you're going to write shit like this that is this meta and interesting, like, okay, fine. You can be an ego-driven maniac if you want to <laughs> write yourself into all of your novels. It's, I think it's real easy as a person who reads comic books to be like, ugh, ugh, how like, how like just like self-filating this book is, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just the writers writing themselves into their own shit and it's stupid. But I think this was done really well. So, um, if, again, if it's... you're not reading this, you 100%, this is going to be a book that like years from now people are going to be like, you didn't read Crossover? Like, what the hell's wrong with you? It was such a great book. Yep. So, pick it up now so you're not out of the loop on this shit. Because, I don't know. You don't, <laughs> you don't get a lot of new, new stuff in comics anymore. A lot of it's... It's the same old... Just with a new coat of paint on it. And sometimes they can add enough interest to it. I mean, we're going to talk about one here that... It, a hundred percent is literally just a new coat of paint on a story we've already recently read. But sometimes you can add enough interest to it to make it worth reading. Whereas this feels really sort of like there's nothing way like different. It. Yeah, for sure. Um, and with that mention, uh, the next book is X Men ninety two House of X C I I, which is ninety two in Roman numerals. Oh yes. <laughs> I could have figured that out. I don't know why I didn't. But, of course, when we had uh, House of X and Powers of X, but it wasn't Powers of X, it was Powers Powers of of 10, because they like to mess around with those Roman numerals and what they mean and yada yada. And 
this is that story. This is that story, but with the X-Men from the 92 era, yep. most of us growing up watching the animated series mm-hmm. and that group of X-Men, and the first question is why. Why did this need to be made? And we, we know why, because it will easily cash grab nostalgia yes. and everything. Also, they're redoing the animated series. They're rebooting it, so synergy. Yes. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a, a bad thing, because I knew going into this, this was... Not officially titled a what if, but it is a what if. Sure. This story that came out from Jonathan Hickman uh, three years ago was with this group and in this time and age. And it it just felt different enough in how the characters were and interacted that I completely enjoyed it. I felt kind of like a kid again because... The dialogue and everything felt a little cheesy. Oh, sure. It was on that, that fine line of, like, they could overdo it. Mm-hmm. But it was cheesy like the old X-Men books. Right. Like, Wolverine nowadays doesn't say bub all the time. Right. But he said it multiple times in this because yeah. that's... Lots of growling. How we knew him back in the him. animated series. Yeah. And so this was written by Steve... Uh, Fox and uh, art by Selva Espin. And let's talk about the art right now because... Good, because that's where I wanted to start too. Because it's... The art is... It doesn't look like the animated series. Except for how... Like what their costumes are. Yes. But it's not like a direct translation of the 90s animated series. But it is... An animated style, which I think was important. Also, I have to give shout-outs to Selva. He put his name all over this book in the art, which you don't see from artists a lot of times. Like, literally, there will be, like, a post-it note on a board somewhere, and it'll have his name on it. Mm-hmm. He plastered his name all over this thing, and I'm like, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Getting your name everywhere on this book. Um, One of the things that I, I love within the first couple, first page, actually, is the old Sentinels. Sentinels have not looked like... The, well, again, because they're more cartoony because the art style for most X-Men books is more realistic kind of approach-ish. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're drawn, but they're, they're more cybernetically and everything where these just look like they are, you know, walking. They don't... They never felt like they're kind of robots-ish. They look like they're people in like a suit or something Mm -hmm. with the weird mouth that is always kind of open and everything and then just the the master mold satellite yeah because again in the opening pages of uh and i can't remember which exactly one if it was house or um powers but they go to the orcas station and so this is going to a master mold floating station Mm -hmm. and seeing this old school giant master mold really was I don't know. Just it was the right touch of what they were doing. Yeah. But that's where there's some differences. The group that goes to the station compared to the original comic book of what they're pulling this off of is different. Mm -hmm. And then the repercussions from there. But even Beast being there and him getting into Hemingway once said blah, 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 this and that was very Beast-like from the comic books compared to who he is now. And, well, and Trask was not involved, yes. right? And he's heavily involved in this because he was a character in the animated series. And 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 even uh, now having Magneto show up, but he's in his old school costume, and it seems like them becoming f- like good guys and bad guys, evil mutants together mm-hmm. is a newer thing. Whereas the comics have had multiple runs and years since Magneto has been a bad guy. Right. So this being more new and fresh of what their idea is, is a little bit different from where the X-Men books are right now. And then I want to get into a little bit of the the Krakoan type uh, plants. Oh yes, they all have faces. Yes. <laughs> they feel like they are their own little entities, which... Right. I could completely see that. Yeah, because in the in the in the comics, in the current comics, you like you understand like anyone who reads X Men has history with Krakoa and knows what it is. But like because of the 
the introduction of who is it cypher or um is it cypher that talks to him yeah uh being able to be like the mouthpiece for krakoa and stuff like that it doesn't need to be anthropomorphic but because this is animated like supposed to be like based on the animated series like giving the island of face seems kind of necessary so that you understand that these people aren't just talking to a piece of land like there's it's an alive sort of thing and maybe i like i can't remember i know they went they dealt with krakoa on the animated series they did like one episode yeah and i can't remember if this is like precedent like in that episode did were there plants with faces i don't remember but um, it is very like I don't know, like praying mantis, insecty sort of looking faces that they've given the island. Yeah, and it gives it a little bit of a, a kind of creepy vibe. It's very unsettling. But again, they haven't talked about Cipher, so he's not there right, right now, and he might not show up because they are. He's not a character from the animated series. Yeah. They're, I think they're a hundred percent only using established characters from the series. Well, not just the the animated series though, but think of the X Men at in the 90s too mm-hmm. where he I mean he was established character by then with New Mutants but again those were not as well known people so will magic show up in this I doubt it it, right. it really has some of the core cast that anyone who's known of the X-Men back right. in the day would at least know who this person yeah. is and you have Xavier who nowadays has been able to walk for quite a while but he's back in his Little you know floating flo- yeah chair and everything uh, yeah and and I love, they have the five, so they have the resurrection protocols, and, you know, you get to know who this new five is, because there is no Hope Summers, because she didn't come about right. in the comic books till the 2000s, so yeah. it's it's all of that that has been really great within this, and I don't want to give away the last character of who... The swap, the character swap they yes. did. It is real interesting. The one thing I have to say about this character swap that hopefully won't give too, too much away is, like... There's definitely a lot of talk about a loss leading up to what you find out at the end. And I didn't know who they were talking about until they got a little bit further in and they mentioned the name. And I don't remember that being as big of a thing in the source books. Yeah, well, that's no one really, well, no one knew about Moira and, right. and her powers. Well, now, now you know who's who's been replaced because you yeah, just gave okay. that away. But, so, but who is replaced, though, is interesting right. because... As they were saying, it's a rallying cry when she died mm-hmm. that brought mutants together. Right. And I wonder if that's kind of that linchpin that they don't want to have explained of, oh, if they find out this person is alive, right. that ruins their plans. And it'll be interesting how these plans come about. Because, again, this has most of what the House of X and Powers of X was, but slightly different. Mm-hmm. and. And I almost wonder, too, if I would have just read this, if I would have enjoyed it as much having not read the other ones. Right. Probably not. Like yeah. you, I think you really need that knowledge of the original source books to really enjoy it. Well, I, you have to have a knowledge of the original source material and a love for the animated series from the 90s to really kind of, I think, get into this book. It's good otherwise but i think if you're going like the audience that's gonna love this book is the people who know what's going on a little bit at least and the people who also are like i remember the animated series Mm -hmm. from the 90s that's why this is character is important and that's why this character's here not this one um one one of the big dynamics that i also uh thought was interesting was uh nowadays rogue can touch gambit and they can do things where this is back in the day where Rogue had no way to touch people and as Ro- or as Gambit is always hitting on her. Oh my like, gosh, he was like, let's go make more mutants like yeah. they told us to. And she's like, I can't. <laughs> and he's like, oh, there's nothing, you know, we can beat death now anyways, so that's a good way to go. And it's so like, funny. Geez. That's such a Gambit thing too, though, yep. especially that version of Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it is. It's it was a super fun Kind of retelling of, of, again, a very recent story. But that's kind of what what ifs do to a degree is some of them are very, very recent retellings. Yeah. Um, 
the back page of this book was also fun because not only does it give you more information that helps you understand the book a little bit more, like reintroducing the five because they are different. Some of them, I think maybe some of them are the same, but I think Proteus is maybe one of the five, but a lot of them, and then it gives them like what their powers are and what their what How their job it. is. Yeah, well, it's the Krakoa beat. So I'm hoping this comes in every yeah. single issue because it's like radical, sick. It's very, it's very <laughs> 90s. Yeah, the it, the jokes were just terrible. oh god, super awful jokes. I'm not even gonna read them out loud, <laughs> but it tells you all the you know the three rules which stayed the same, and then like a little a little did you know in the bottom corner about this one was about Krakoa. Um, so it was, it was fun all around the the use of colors the animation animation style the illustration style um and all of that stuff plus like okay yes the story was been told they had a a guide to follow yeah but they had to make it sound true to what X-Men 92 sounds like yep which can be a little difficult when you're going after such a beloved feel like do you ha you heard their voices in their voices from the series right like when you're hearing them and they're when you're reading it like you can't help but hear the Those way voices. they sound yep. yeah and like you know you ki I kind of wish they would have started with like previously on yeah. X-Men <laughs> <laughs> you know and then in your head you would play the theme song and then you would keep <laughs> reading but it was good um get into some news yeah um oh hold on before we do i i'm not gonna spoil it but i caught up on rain okay um which we both read the first issue of the fourth issue just came out recently i i just want to say this it's it's maintained its goodness um the way they've taken the story is very fast it's a fast moving story and it has to be because there's only five issues. There are parts in it that are very sad and kind of make you want to throw up a little bit um, because of the stuff that goes down in it. But it's still very good. I don't know how they're going to finish it in one issue based okay. on what I've read. So I hope that it wraps up very nicely. Who knows? I feel like this could be a long, much longer story. And I would hope that the writer has an idea for how to finish it with a nice little bow or at least plans on doing more issues after this at some point <laughs> in time um but definitely something if if you should catch up so that when issue five comes out we can talk about okay. the whole series um idw has announced uh, they're having a bunch of new books coming out um for the longest time idw has really been kind of the the place for the 80s comic books or My 90s Little Pony. and Transformers, G.I. <laughs> yeah. Joe and all that and as has already been announced uh, they're going to be losing Transformers and G.I. Joe after this year. Uh, I don't think it's officially been announced. I know that for a while Robert Kirkman's been trying to go after those but I don't think we know exactly where those are going yet. But they obviously need some more uh, original series. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they've 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 done a lot of uh, other books over the years and stuff, but they're now getting some big names, including uh, Scott Snyder. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I I've seen here there's like at least twelve new series coming on out. Um, some of them are gonna be called Dark Spaces, Wildfire, um, Crashing. Earth Divers, Dead Seas, uh, Golgotha, Motor Mountain. That just sounds interesting because I don't know what the heck Golgotha is. Well, the Gol Golgotham is the hill. Golgotha is the hill that they crucified people on in the Bible, right? In I think I don't know this. Shit. I think and and well because in Dogma they have the Golgotham, which is the shit demon. And he was created from the shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. From people being yep. crucified and then lo losing control of their bowels. So I think that's what that... I could be 100% wrong in extrapolating. I have no idea. But that, I think that's what that is. But then uh, another book, Arca, uh, The Sin Bin and The Hunger in the Dusk. And the so, Sin Bin? 
That just sounds interesting, too. I know. I definitely want to start seeing some previews of these to know exactly which books I'll start picking up. Right. But a lot of these sound like they're either going to be uh, some, you know, mini-series, uh, maybe just 12-issue type things. Some of them might turn into ongoing. But uh, what I find interesting is, again, more new comic books, new right. properties that are being created that aren't the same characters that we've know of but it's it's a safe bet that these are going to be like all ages in young young people books right idw very traditionally has been not adult content yeah so these so don't think don't hear a title like sin bin and i think you're getting like a softcore porn title <laughs> this is going to be appropriate for the kiddos um and then also uh speaking of collaborations there is a new book coming out um, that the the proceeds are going to um, the war in Ukraine. Okay. Um, a lot of comic book creators, I want to say there's over like 30 creators are coming together for um, support Ukrainian relief in Sunflower, Sunflower Seeds. Is that um, the name of the book? Uh, comics for Ukraine, Sunflower oh, Seeds okay. is what it is. Sunflower Seeds are one of the biggest export items out of Ukraine. Yes, and sunflower oil, and mm -hmm. that is kind of their their thing, their flower, then, their thing. Then wheat. And so this, I'm not even going to name all the artists and creators within this anthology series, but it's being put together from Zoop. Okay. Uh, the, the place that where you go and get Zoop? Where you uh, go get no, Zoop? No, not that. Z-O-O-P. Oh, okay. Um, that's where all the money is uh, being raised to get uh, pre-issues uh, or pre-order these from. This is where it's going to be created out of. Uh, obviously, you know, the money to print the book is, you know, that's going to go for that. But then all extra money is not going to any artist or anything. It's just going straight to um, the Relief Fund, uh, Operation USA, and its other organizations for... Uh, the war in Ukraine so this is definitely something to pick up and uh, pre-order I know yes. that many comic book uh, shops will start having it and uh, there's not a set date uh, that I saw of when it's going to be coming out but um, it was just announced uh, today and this is something that could be great to support the people of the Ukraine so Zoop which is zoop.gg if anyone, anybody wants to go directly to the website to order it. It looks like a newer sort of crowdfunding thing. So my guess is is that they, that that's why it's coming out through there instead of through like traditional methods. Is these okay. creators probably all got together and decided to maybe go the crowdfunding source. And I wonder if that means you can like pay whatever, you know, a minimum, but also more, maybe if you want. Um, we all we already mentioned it, but Batman's now streaming on HBO. So yeah, he is. If you wanna check it out again and be able to pause it so you can pee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Between right. one of the plot lines, uh, as one plot line wraps up and a new whole new one starts, you can pause it to take a pee. Pause it halfway through, and you have two one and a half hour movies. Yeah, yeah, you really can. You can also buy it now. I think it's like thirty bucks. I don't know why you would if you can get it for on HBO and you already pay for HBO. Asks Lindsay to her husband, but she <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I guess special features is the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then something else, uh, Warner Brothers is trying to do is. They're trying to get the rights to other franchises that they currently don't have. Okay. Um, these, you know, going from anywhere from Beetlejuice to Nightmare on Elm Street to a Little Shop of Horrors. And something that I found out while, you know, uncovering this news is that uh, back in 1978, the Copyright Act then put a disclaimer in there that under the law, creators who transferred their copyright at the time to another person or entity can petition to have it terminated after 28 years if they're still mm. alive. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen. Right. But that is what's going on with some of these properties right now is yeah. their creators 
had them go out to, to Warner Brothers or one of their subsidiaries that they bought up and now are trying to say, hey, we want these back under this copyright law we're allowed to, which is muddling the waters for Warner Brothers to then go ahead with some of these properties. The one that I'm most looking forward to is Beetlejuice, if they can get it, because there's been talks over the years of another Beetlejuice yeah, movie. Yeah, over the years is an understatement. Like, so literally since that movie came out, <laughs> has there been talks of a sequel? And I don't know if this then is part of muddy in those waters of why we haven't got yeah. it yet or not, but... And who do you think... Like, it's not like the directors or, or the writers I think it's who... the creators that came up with the story. Well, but. maybe, but also, like... Yeah, I guess. If whoever the original people that sold the... the Copyright laws, I fucking hate. It's I think... crazy, because, like, okay, so let, my, my knowledge is in Kevin Smith movies, right? So Clerks. Clerks came out in 1994, and Kevin Smith sold the rights for Clerks, all of them, except for Jay and Silent Bob, to Miramax, Right, but so does that mean he gets it back after twenty eight years? If he no, he can petition to get it, so if, he can ask the courts right. to get it back. And I think that also has to do then with if there was nothing new made, or because right. that's part of uh, with some of the the reasons why uh, Fox, you know, making shitty like you know movies of the properties. Yeah, like, so they can keep the rights to it. Yes, right, and yeah, I I think everything of copyright laws needs to be revamped. I do think that creators should have that property for X amount of years, but then it needs to go, especially after that person has passed away. Right. Well, yeah, Wes Craven's dead, right? So Nightmare on Elm Street, I mean, unless he has an estate that handles it now, because that's what happens sometimes. Um, you know, who 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 would ever petition for that? If, yeah. if Or I think those people should still be given some form of payment because yeah. it is their property, but allow someone else right. to do something with it. Yeah. It just, it's get, I can't, I can only imagine because I'm not a creator. Like it's gotta be hard after a while because you created something that blew up and made a lot of money for a lot of people who weren't you necessarily. And it might've jumpstarted your, their career and in the long run worked out for them. But Then they make Freddy versus Jason. Oh, yeah. And, like, do you think Wes Craven was cool with that movie? No. <laughs> I don't think many people were. I thought one of them was good, but I can't remember. Well, I'd say, what, Jason Jason in Space or something? Oh, yeah, we're not talking about Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that franchise. That franchise got off the rails almost right out of the gate. But... <laughs> Well, you mentioned exploding, and uh, did I? Yes. Their oh, their, their careers? careers. Yes. Wow. What about other exploding? <laughs> have you ever played in exploding kittens? Yes, I have. I truly enjoy that game. It's a fun party game. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple to play. It's very simple to play. Uh, created by the people over at the Oatmeal, and now it's been reported that Netflix is coming out with a TV series. I don't know. <laughs> it, the cards are very adult. Okay. Uh, yeah. We've looked at them yep. for the game, so I can't imagine them making this kid, kitty version, and and then the, it's called exploding kittens. Like, right? Is this gonna be someone that wires, you know, explosions in the cats to? I don't know. I mean, it is an adult animated comedy, so. It's not going to be for kids. Oh, Mike Ju Mike Judge is on it. Oh, and, okay. and Greg Daniels. So Mike Judge, famously the guy from King of the Hill, but also Beavis and Butthead and Daria. Um, Greg Daniels is the guy that did The Office, the American version of The mm -hmm. Office, right? And Parks and Rec and all that stuff. So, I mean, when you have names on it like that, then you kind of have to be like, all right, I have to watch the first episode. You know what preview I saw? Speaking of weird stuff being made into television shows and movies, do you remember there was a, a YouTube videos that were like this tiny little shell 
I can't remember his name, but there was this tiny little shell that would go around and he would be like, I use a piece of hair for my floss and things like that. No. No? Oh my gosh. So they were a shell like a, a little seashell? little seashell with little eyes and feet. And I'm trying to remember what the hell his name was now. Um the ch- Jenny Jenny oh, the chick from that got fired from SNL for swearing. Jenny Slate. Okay. Did the voice for it. Um, and they were super cute, but it was like 12 years ago that they were popular. And I saw the other day, a trailer for a movie. Oh, really? And I was like, wow, 12 years later and you're putting out a movie based on something that was super popular 12 years ago. I don't know how that's going to work out for them. It was crazy, but you should look up those videos. They're super cute. (laughs) Um, we'd already mentioned last week about, uh, Ezra Miller uh, and his getting in trouble and everything. Yep. Well, DC Comics has now uh, delayed a prequel series to the movie as well because you know with what's going on right now and and with him in the news, I just saw that the couple have dropped their restraining order yes. on him. So I'm assuming some settlement came out, which yeah. hopefully then gets things less delayed on the movie and all this can get put behind yeah. him but well i saw that they had delayed this book as well and the writers are like because i think the initial report was that it was canceled and yes it was canceled for the date that it was originally supposed to be released on but the writers came out and they're like hey 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 everyone this is still coming out it's just you know closer to when an actual movie comes out because it'd be weird for it to come out now and then the movie comes out like later this year and there's no connection there so well that's what well uh the movie was supposed to come out in November, right. but it's now next year, next June. Year. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you think that here conspiracy theory moment? Do you think that DC was like, "Hey, Ezra, can you just lose your shit <laughs> so we can push this movie back for a reason that's not like it sucks?" Yes. <laughs> I can see that because what he did was so minimal, really. I mean, he just got drunk in public, and it was obnoxious. I've done it. You've done it. People of all certain ages have done it. So it's kind of weird for it to cause this big old hubbub. But they have another dude who just got arrested in Scotland, I think. The guy who played the Joker in the Batman movie and he was in the Eternals. Yeah. He got arrested. And now they're like, maybe they have to remove him from the Eternals. And I'm like, I read what he got arrested for. I'm like, what? What is wrong with... like? Young people get drunk and do stupid shit. That's just what it happens. So, you know, maybe not fire them from their jobs because they none of us would be working right now. True, <laughs> that was true. The case. Um, so there's going to be another X Men Hellfire Gala and Oh god, why? I didn't even make it through the last one. I enjoyed the last one. I enjoyed the last one because again, I don't really care about fashion. Right. But I truly enjoy when it comes to certain comic book heroes, they always have the same freaking uniforms all the time. And it was really an artistics, like, uh, any artist would love to work on this just to come up with some cool new designs. And so they've slowly been releasing some of the designs uh, out into the media right now. And I I enjoy this for for what it was for showing, you know... Dooms is pretty sweet. I will give you that. So, Tony's scrolling through some of the designs they released. She-Hulk's is stupid. (laughs) I'm so sorry. But have you seen the way some people wear their shit? That's true. That's true. Uh, But Dooms is pretty great. Scarlet Witch's looks like what Scarlet Witch would wear to a gala. X-23's was cool. Black Widow. I mean, that's definitely a different sort of look for for Black Widow. Spider-Man's is interesting. I kind of like that. Yeah. It just it's it's a unique unique artistic take on you know making them dressed in something different than their yeah. same. Yeah, sure. I just I mean, is this going to be something we get every year now? A Hellfire Gala? Well, probably. It's their annual oh. thing they're doing. All right. Okay. Well, you don't need to be that. The... <laughs> I just I had a really hard time with the the last one. I got I didn't get all the way through it. It just didn't like it didn't. Well, the story my, wasn't as okay. yeah. It didn't hold my attention. And I le, listen. The costumes are great. I too agree with you on that. But I also need 
you know. More of a story. A story to go along with it. The story was they were flaunting their shit. And yeah. I mean, I know there, there was, it was. The, gala well, the interaction was, with Kevin Feige and Scott <laughs> Summers. The gala, the gala was doing what it was meant to do. I mean, galas famously like rich people galas. They go and they interact, and there's under table deals going on. At least that's what the movies tell us. Under under table deals going on, and people having sex out on balconies and shit like that. Like that, it did all of it it needed to do. I just didn't know that I needed it. <laughs> Uh, something that I also feel like is not needed, but someone got a Guinness Book of World Records, uh, Romero Alanis, for seeing Spider-Man No Way Home 292 times. In the theater? Yes. Okay. Paying for it. Yes. Each time. Well, I don't know if he paid for it. He could have one of those deals of see a movie a day or... I see. But he wasn't, like, sneaking in. No. Like, he had to have registered somehow that he watched I think. Well, I think he times. had to have his uh, ticket stubs to, yeah. to get it proven that he did it, but... You can get a Guinness Book World Record for fucking anything. I know. It's insane. Like, we need to keep podcasting Just... until we've done the most number of podcasts. That, that'll never happen. Joe Rogan has us beat a million times over, but... So how at least good podcast yeah <laughs> so we gotta beat there at least <laughs> maybe that's up for debate <laughs> i just don't know i love that movie but that is it's a lot that's a, a, it's a lot it's more than a lot it's excessive but like his name's in a book for forever now i guess right yeah so and he really loves it and he spent a lot of mu- maybe maybe not maybe just a monthly amc fee or something you see it three times a week. Is it three times a week for the movies? Do you remember? Yeah. So three times. Well, there's different movie theaters and chains and where you're at. Yeah. That have their own. Okay, let's just let's just say it's. Th- let's just say he did it this way. He did it the he did it by having a, a one of those passes. Mm-hmm. Because if he paid, if he paid what ten dollars, let's go low ten dollars a movie eight. Yeah. Ten dollars. Um, so he would have spent $2,920 on seeing it. But if he pays the $25 a month and can get three movies in a week, then, um, 292 divided by three, oh, nope, 292 divided by three is 97 weeks. So that's not it, because if he was only watching it... I feel like you could maybe see one a day. Is it one a day? I don't know. Well, that's at least for here, but again, other places probably have different... Yeah, divided by seven. Well, it's still 41 weeks. Has it been out 41 weeks yet? Maybe he saw a couple a day. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> he had to have, honestly. It's so, yeah, it's it's like that's what he's been spending his time doing. Well, calculate. So 292, what's the runtime on that? Like two hours? Yeah, at least. So do that and then see how many days that is then divided by... Times two hours divided by 24. 24 days. Okay. 24 straight days. Yeah, so he... And that's going with that it's two hours, although I think it's a little bit more than that. Yeah. 24.3333333 days straight watching this movie. Um, if you put them all together. That is, I appreciate fandom more than anyone, and I get that people do crazy shit for their fandom. I mean, I've seen men at sub-zero football games with their shirts off and their bodies painted for their football team. So I get that people do crazy shit for fandom, but this is weird and a lot. But I do also remember a story about a guy who was trying to collect every single copy of the movie Speed on VHS. <laughs> so <laughs> he it might still exist. He had a website that you could go to and offer to send him your copy of the movie Speed because he wanted all of them. So this is less strange because it's Spider-Man. <laughs> so something I'm guessing you didn't see. No. Is the new trailer for <gasps> Thor. They finally put it out? Yes. After all that time? Well, it's a teaser trailer, so I mean it's it's coming out in July, so they have this first snippet and it looks gorgeous. This is the shortest amount of time between trailer and movie that Marvel has ever done. Yeah. That's, I've been, because I, a couple weeks ago, people were starting to get real antsy about it because Spider-Man 
that one came out relatively close to the movie um, run when the movie came out. And so when Thor hit that mark, everyone was like, oh, it's got to be coming out soon. And then it didn't. So then everyone started getting real worried about what that means. It looks amazing. Does it? it there's a whole montage of Thor uh, getting into shape. When we're done. Uh, Why didn't you make me watch this ahead of time? Because, as I said, I knew you probably didn't watch it. I was trying to lie to myself and think that you did. No. These, these are the things that a pre-production meeting would have resolved. <laughs> <laughs> So now everyone knows we don't do any sort of that stuff ahead of time. The hell we don't. We just talk about a bunch of other things for an hour and a half while we bullshit. Uh, no, it's beautiful. There's not much that you need to talk about. Okay. Uh, you know, there's floating ships. There's, you know, Lady Thor. There's Thor back in shape. Uh, there's him having fun with uh, like Peter and, you know, having their quips against each other. Oh, Quill. That's yes. right, because this will have the... Guardians. Yes. And uh, I didn't see anything of the the God Butcher there, and I'm not liking what I've seen of what they have of Gore, because the only stills that we have is from the toys. Right. And he does not look anything like what he looks like comic book accurate, and I want to be one of those nitpickers that... Yeah, but they try to go more realistic, and he... What's more realistic than someone that looks like an alien? (laughs) That makes sense for those that know what I'm talking about. I mean, he honestly looks like a a pale Kevin Pereira. Like, Mm. I... And it's supposed to be Christian Bale, which I know he'll act the shit out of it. And when we get more stills of what he looks like, maybe I won't be as upset but i'm just like well he's big too right in the comics he's a big boy like he's got some heft to him he's he's very muscular yes well yeah when i when i talk about heft and dudes in comic books it's a hundred percent safe to assume i mean muscles okay (laughs) and he looks quite slight there Mm -hmm. Um... oh he looks like voldemort Except for With he's a got nose. a nose, he's got a, but he's got a nose, yeah. and that's where I think that they were trying to, to not uh, cut off his nose because Gore doesn't have a nose in oh, there. And then they were like, if we take off his nose, he looks like Voldemort. So instead of giving him muscles, we'll just give him a nose, I yeah. guess. All right. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm soft on Christian Bale. Oh, I think he's amazing, so do you? he'll be awesome. No, no, no. Oh, I, you're soft on him as you don't like him. Right. I I think he's overrated. I have enjoyed a lot of his films, but there's been a lot that I've been like, eh, on. So. I thought he was amazing in uh, uh, Mr. Robot. I didn't watch Mr. Robot. What? The TV show? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch that. Oh. Oh, wait, no. Sorry, I'm thinking uh, Christian Slater. Sorry. Not Christian. Oh, I, that's why I was... Li- <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was surprised that Christian Bale was in a television show. I mean, I know it's kind of a big thing right now, but I didn't realize he was in a... He wasn't. That's why. Who's in a book this week? Yes. Is Image's 30th anniversary anthology number yes. one of 12 because... There's going to be 12 of these, which you would think... They would have started in January, <laughs> yeah, to get through the full year, but instead this is going to overlap into... But maybe Image was started in uh, April, and so it's going to be like the first full year yeah, of the I Image. I, I didn't look the backstory of Image to, to see what was going on there. Well, this had a bunch of uh, stories that mm-hmm. seem to... They're going to be kind of going through all of these books, where some other ones are like one part of one of four. So obviously the other books may have some other ones. There's a one shot in here. And some of these seem like they might even be prequels to an ongoing book that they might have coming out later. I don't know. I just enjoyed some of these stories. And one of them that I truly liked was the Scotty Young story of him trying to come up with a story for this anthology. And it turned into him just asking his family of ideas and them... 
saying just the rudimentary things that they do. And it was just one page. It was very much a Saturday newspaper strip. Yeah, it felt like a Calvin and Hobbes type. Yeah, very much. I mean, and that gives you, and and it's it's Scotty Young style. It's not his normal um, style that you see, but you could see where it you would get Scotty Young out of it. Um, but then the one that I really want to just talk about is uh, Mirka and Delphos because she's just amazing on everything she, she does. She is amazing. But the story's called The Hopeless. Yes. And it starts with a killer chasing some people through a strip joint and pretty much just murdering them. And being mad that they're not, like, running or fighting yeah. back. Like, he wants to have a challenge, or this person does. Which yeah, because you, then you find, find out, out it's not a he. Yeah, it's a she and a she. girl that is behind this mask. But then the layers get revealed even more, and you find out this is a virtual world. Mm-hmm. And someone wants to to do this on their free time they want to go in and murder people but they they want to have some sort of thrill some sort of danger to it yes and i really like the twist at the end to then find out that after she kind of talks to this vr guy that has this setup to she's talking about you know you don't need any uh wires or hookups like this will be neurotransmitted in your head and she wakes up in this uh, virtual world, but now she's not the murderer. She's one of those strippers or the victims, it right. seems. Yeah. And that that's a twist on where I didn't see going. Well, they said it was experimental tech. Yep. Um, the I, I enjoy Mirka's writing, and I also enjoy Mirka's art a lot, but I also like the fact that when they were in the virtual world, it was... Mirka's because hers is very colorful and kind of light. Even though when even when she's drawing about like because you know she, I'm reading that one book by her that's a hundred percent just about boning all the time, <laughs> and like so even when she is is drawing what could be these really graphic images, it's still really fucking cute. Like, these strippers are getting murdered and also adorable. Like, <laughs> not many people can pull that off. But in reality, there's a different artist, and it's very gritty and blah and sad looking. So I appreciate the dichotomy between the images on that. Um, and like I said, there's a bunch of other stories in here, but uh, we're just going to leave it at that and uh, pair this with Vodka and whatever you want to mix with it, because there's so many stories in here and there's yeah, so many flavor drinks. of choice. There's definitely the none of this like there's a hundred percent something in here for everybody, and there's always something that you can mix with vodka to make it taste good. <laughs> um, last thing to leave everyone with is those old comics, man. They can go for lots of money. Yeah, if you have something that's worth money worth yeah. uh most recently a superman number one that was graded at an 8.0 rating which is pretty good for a that, i don't know how old is this comic? uh 1939 is when so, it came out yeah it's getting up there it just sold for over five million dollars wow imagine having even a six point rating or just anything like that was still millions of dollars you gotta like they, they they printed a bunch of those. And I get that most kids read them, rolled them up, stuck them in their pocket, put put them in the spokes of their bike, mm-hmm. like drew on them, ripped the covers off, all that kind of stuff. But there's got to be like an old lady somewhere who still has her kids' comics books like up in the attic. And one of these days, someone's going to find it. And you always hope that it's... Like, you you always hope to be the person that goes to a garage sale and this old lady's selling off her shit and you're like, she has no idea what she has. Like, what would you do? If you found a Superman number one at a garage sale and some old lady had it priced for 50 cents, what would you do? I would buy it. I would sell it. And I would send this lady an anonymous uh, bit of money because I would feel bad. Right. But I also would be a dumbass to just say, don't right. sell this to me. Yeah. I, it sounds wrong, but I... I, I know, but, <laughs> like, I that I think that's a pretty valid thing to do, is to buy it, but then give her some of the money after you sell it. Um, 
I mean, obviously, the super altruistic option is to tell her that this comic book is worth... Like, say it's mint. Like, the kid was, like, one of those anal retentive children and, like, bagged and boarded his books before anybody else did. Like, put saran wrap around it or something. And it is literally, like, a 9.5 graded comic book. Like, how... (laughs) Do you tell this woman, like... You're going to be dead soon, probably, but this book is worth probably $10 million. Do you, can I still buy it for 50 cents? <laughs> yeah. I'll send you some of the money. You know what, lady? Here, I have a 20. No, nope, yeah. keep the change. There you go. Offer a little bit more for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things, like, I mean, if, if someone brought it into a comic book store to try and sell it, I think it's their duty to tell the people that they're they got something big on their hands. Yeah. But as a as a casual peruser at a garage sale, like what is our duty to somebody selling something? They could have looked it up. Yeah. And saw how much it was worth. And they didn't. Yep. Now you're gonna have me dreaming and I'm gonna start garage <laughs> hunting now. I'll go I love garage sale shopping, so we'll we can go together. Alright. Um well with that, uh I don't have anything to Stay thirsty for that. Hidden copy of Superman somewhere out in the world. 